Hello and welcome to the Conversation of Money podcast. This is where we talk about money, investing and all things personal finance. I'm your host, Peter Komalafe, and it's my mission to help you make the best financial decisions because money is a tool, life is for living. All right, welcome back to the podcast, everybody. How are we? Last week was an interesting week, to say the least, with the autumn statement. Uh, some people have described it with mixed feelings. Um pressure for sure is what I came away with it feeling. Well, not feeling, but that felt like the underlying sentiment that people felt. Pressure in the sense that in a time where we've got the cost of living crisis and household incomes are being squeezed, disposable income is being squeezed, if you're lucky enough to have a disposable income, there were quite significant tax rises um, implemented or at least suggested to be implemented from April next year at the new tax year. And um, that's going to form the basis of our conversation today on the podcast, because I think when I, I've got to tell you, right, I was doing packed lunch that Thursday because they had a budget special. And so we were in a room watching the, the budget unfold. And quite literally, when I tell you that my my jaw was on the floor when I heard what he was doing to capital gain tax and dividends tax. My jaw was on the floor. I could not believe it. Now, we've spoken about this on the podcast before, what was mooted to come out. We thought that he was going to play around with capital gains tax. We thought he was going to play around with dividends uh, tax. We didn't know that he was going to go to the extent that he did. Now, best case scenario for me, I was like, okay, well, what he might do is he might take the threshold for um, the capital gains allowance down from 12,300 to something like 10,000 pounds. What I was not expecting was for capital gains, the allowance for capital gains to be taken from 12,300 down to 6,000 pounds come April 2023 and down further to 3,000 pounds in 2024. And he enacted something very similar when it comes to dividends. So dividends tax, the dividends allowance used to be 5,000 pounds back in 2017. Feels like an age ago now, currently at £2,000. Come April 6, 2023, that is going to be reduced to £1,000. And in 2024, it's going to be reduced to £500. We're also seeing corporation tax increase. So if you're running a business, well, you're going to pay more on your profits, essentially. And we also saw within the tax um, element, he bought down the 45p threshold. So no longer do you have to be earning over £150,000 to be paying 45 pence on the pound as a taxpayer. Now it's just over £125,000. And many people will say that is a good thing. And it's a complete and opposite position to where we were just literally eight, nine weeks ago when that 45p threshold was being removed completely by Liz Truss and Quarty Corte. So we've, we've turned a massive, massive corner. The other thing that he did, interestingly, was he froze the income tax thresholds. So clearly you still get your personal allowance of 12,571 or 570. Then the next bracket is £50,000, right? Before you start jumping into the 40p bracket. He's frozen those, which means that 
according to the numbers, that is going to pull an extra, I can't remember the number exactly, but it's going to pull, I think it was 800,000 was the last count that I that I saw in the tabloid. It's going to pull about 800,000 people into a different tax threshold. So potentially, if you're paying 20p tax at the moment, you could potentially go up to a 40p bracket. If you're paying no tax at all, it might pull you into the bracket where you start paying taxes at 20, 20p or 20%. So really interesting changes there were a lot of stuff about obviously the nhs and schools which is very very much welcomed uprating uh state pension by 10.1 percent in inflation doing the same for benefits as well that's going to go a long way to help people but like i said the tax situation and the tax changes are the bits that i want to focus on for this episode of the podcast and so what I wanted to do really now that we've got that backdrop out of the way is just talk about an account which was not touched, an allowance which was not touched, which really is now the most important account that you could potentially hold now. Um, and that is ISIS. Now, I've, I've, if you follow me on Instagram or on YouTube, I speak about this a lot. The first rule of financial planning is it's tax efficiency. You have to try and use all of your tax allowances, all of the things that are, that are at your disposable first in the sequence in which they come as well. So things like your ISAs are great right now because it still remains untouched. You still got a limit of £20,000 every single tax year running April the 6th to April the 5th that you can pay into your ISA. And if you accumulate any money into your ISA, over the course of a number of years. So when I was advising, I would meet clients who have who had maxed up their ISAs every single year, or at least put money into their ISAs every single year. During my time, I've definitely seen some ISA millionaires, people who have, through the years, diligently contributed, maxed out their ISAs, and they have over a million pounds in their ISA pot. They're few and far between, but they do exist. And what that basically means is that, you know, for people like that, when they come to retire, and a lot of them were were elderly clients who had obviously been around for a while and, and, and got into this habit of paying into their ISAs, when they come to retire, they can take an income from that ISA. And because it's from an ISA, that income is tax-free. And it's a beautiful place to be from a tax planning point of view. Now, I have this evening done uh, and I'm recording this Sunday evening, by the way, guys, you're going to hear this tomorrow morning. I spoke about this on, on YouTube. And one of the, the things that I noticed in the chat on YouTube was that, you know, what, what, what's to say that the government wouldn't at some point in the future go and change the ISO allowances. And to that, I say they may well, they might. I mean, there is no guarantee, right? They may decide, well, actually, we want to start reducing the ISO allowance now, and we want to take it down to £15,000 and decimate the ability for people to, to save and invest money in a tax-free environment, because we need, we need the tax take, right? Um, that could happen. But I haven't yet witnessed, and I could be wrong, I haven't yet witnessed a situation where the government makes a change and they retrospectively change the rules as they applied previously to negatively impact people. I haven't seen that yet, and I don't think that is likely to happen. So even if they were to reduce ISA allowances in a year or two or three years' time, I don't think it's the right thing to focus on. We can't control it. 
going back to a very, very wise quote from one of my mentors when I was at MetLife in in Canary Wharf, control the controllables. We can't control what governments do. We can't control monetary policy. We can't control uh, what announcements get put forward or enacted as a result of a budget. We can't control inflation. We can't control any of this stuff. But what we can control is we can control the things that are immediately within our vicinity of influence, right? So the choices that we make from a financial point of view. And if you are putting money away, be it into an emergency fund, be it into any kind of account, you really should be looking at your ISIS first and foremost to use your allowance as quickly as possible. I mean, speed isn't necessarily the most important thing here. Just using it is the important thing here. Because with ISIS, if you don't use the allowance, you use it. You can't go through this tax year, not put any money in, then realize, oh, you know, we're in the new tax year. Can I use my allowance from last year? No, you can't do that. If you don't use it, you essentially use it. So I really implore you, if you've got money lying around right now, and it's just in a normal savings account, please go and Go into your bank, your building society, and ask about an ISA account, a cash ISA. Now, obviously, there are different types of ISAs. You've got cash ISAs, which are in your account, in your bank. It's it's no risk at all because it's not invested in the stock market. Then you do have a stocks and shares ISA where it is invested in the market. And you have to understand that if you're looking to go down that route, there is investment risk. Markets are extremely volatile right now. We're in, we're running into a recession that is rumored to last for two years. So if you're putting money into the, into the stock market under your ISAs, yes, it's a great thing to do from a tax efficiency planning point of view, but you have to understand that you're going to have investment risk. So the money that you put in could fall in value. I would guarantee almost certainly that it is going to fall in value, but it will also rise in value as well. The trouble is you don't know when it's going to fall, when it's going to rise, and you have to feed that into your expectations when you open this account. And so when you think about what the opposite side of that equation is, if you're not really, if you're really risk averse, right, it is cash ISAs. And within the cash ISA realm, you have different kind of accounts that you can open. So the first one you can open is something called like an easy access ISA, right? That is instant access and get hold of your money whenever you want to. Currently at the moment on the market, because I was looking at this a little bit earlier on, you can get rates at around about three, well, 2.85%, 2.5% roughly for an instant access ISA, right? Very, very easy to administer, very, very easy to open pretty straightforward. Then you have notice accounts. Notice accounts will be ones where you're going to put your money in. It's still with your bank on the high street or online, but you might have a clause in there that says you have to give 30 days notice or 60 days notice or, or 90 days notice. In order for you to access the money, you give the notice. If you don't give the notice, you're likely going to surrender some of the interest that you would have gained. Notice accounts, tend to give you a little bit more interest than the instant access ones because of that element of locking it in and leaving it in the account for a period of time. Beyond that, you also have fixed rate ISAs. So these will be things where you're locking it in for a year, two, three, four, five, maybe even. The thing to note with that is, you know, if you listen to the to the annual statement, to the budget, the autumn statement, sorry, not, not the annual, annual statement, the autumn statement, uh, Jeremy Hunt at the beginning said that he has given his blessing and his fall back into the Bank of England to do what is necessary to 
combat inflation. And the main instrument that the Bank of England tends to use is increasing the interest rates. And again, Andrew Bailey spoke about this about two months ago. I, I did a video on this specifically on YouTube, where he said that he feels that the Bank of England hadn't done enough to combat inflation, and they were going to ramp up their efforts. Shortly after that, we saw the bank rate, the Bank of England base rate, increase by 0.75%. That was the highest increase we had seen in almost two decades. So with those comments coming from Jeremy Hunt, we know with a good degree of certainty that what is going to come next is going to be interest rate rises, which means that from a savings account point of view, that's a positive thing. You're going to start seeing better offers, better interest rates on the high street. And in the context of the fixed rate uh, ices that you might have, in my view, and this is down for you to decide, if you're going to be putting in for any longer than a year, you may find that if you went for three years, for example, you may find that end of the first year, there are more attractive rates on the market. So it's really important to make a decision that you feel comfortable with, but in the context of the environment upon which you find yourself, within which you find yourself, I should say. Really, really important. So, you know, Keep your ear to the ground in terms of what the interest rates are doing, what offers are available on, on the high street. Now, now you may decide, well, actually, you know what? I don't mind locking it in for, for three or four years. There was, certainly was a, a fixed rate at 5.05% that I saw uh, this evening. You may decide, actually, you know what? I want to lock it in for five years because you want that peace of mind in knowing that you're going to have a return. That is also your prerogative. And that doesn't necessarily mean that that's a bad decision. The important thing and the... Are, the question to answer is, are you comfortable with your decision? If the answer to that is yes, then you've done the right thing by you. And I cannot stress that enough. There, there is so much information out here and so many factors that you could, you know, put on a spreadsheet that would prevent you from making a decision because there's so much information and sometimes you don't know what to whittle out. The fundamental question that you need to ask yourself is, in the decision that I'm going to make or I'm about to make, am I happy with the, with the decision at the time that you make it? Okay, not I revisited two months down the track and that was the wrong decision and you regret it. No, was it right for you at the time when you made the decision, because that's all we can do. We can make the best decisions based on what we know and based on the information available to us at the time of making the decision. And so that's really what I would kind of encourage everyone who might be listening to this or is listening to this to consider. Overall, overall, I think we're in for a really, really tough ride, certainly over the next 12 to 24 months. As we enter into the recession, there is a lot of fear around the, the property markets, double-digit fallings. We're already seeing um, the landlords, you know, looking at their yields, thinking this isn't working and, and, and trying to get out. And I had a comment on, uh, on the YouTube channel yesterday, and the comment made a really good point. He goes, in a, in a time where there is a predicted cliff drop-off in the property market and, and housing prices, we see capital gains tax gutted in terms of the allowances, as I've explained earlier. And the reason why that's a really good point is if you think about it, right, 
Capital gains tax on property starts at 18% if you are in the uh, basic rate taxpayer threshold, right? If you're a higher rate taxpayer, it's 28%. Now, if you're a landlord and you're looking at your property portfolio thinking, ah, this doesn't this this is doesn't make any sense anymore. There's no yields in here, and you attempt to go and sell your property, the property is appreciated in value, and you did this next year, after April the 6th, the £12,300 allowance that you once had is now £6,000. If you did it in 2024, that £12,300 allowance that you once had will be £3,000, which means you're going to be paying more to dispose of property and the tax take from the government is going to be much, much larger. I wonder why that was done. I wonder why those changes were announced. And sometimes we have to read the writing on the wall. I think, you know, Jeremy Hunt, and all the guys at the Treasury and in, 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 in the Cabinet Office, they're not stupid. They know what they're doing. They know what levers to pull in order to increase the tax take. And like I said, capital gains tax and what they've done with dividends, my, my jaw was on the floor. And to a certain extent, it's still on the floor. If you've got a, a stock market portfolio right now, then, you know, well, the, the rate at which you could start you know, earning dividends and not pay any tax, like I said, £2,000 down to £1,000 next year, £5,000 the year after. If you're pulling an income from dividends, you're paying more tax. If you are disposing of your stocks, you're paying more tax, ultimately. And I think we're in for a very, very rough ride with interest rates likely to increase. Obviously, that is going to impact mortgages. That's going to impact renters because the, that increase in mortgage payments will be passed on to renters in some way, shape or form. And so it's going to be a very, very tough time. And I, I've said this before on the YouTube channel. I've said it before on Instagram. I'm going to say it here again. One of the traps that you fall into in a low interest rate environment like we have seen over the last 10, 12 years is that debt credit is so easy to come by and it's cheap. It is in moments like this, in economies like this, in circumstances like this, where if you've over leveraged on your debt, you're going to get found out right now. Because ultimately, if you have taken out car finance and it's for a car that's costing, you know, seven, eight hundred pounds a month, you know, that's at the top of your budget. If you have got credit cards to boot where you're paying the minimum payment, but large balances, that's going to come home to roost. If you have personal loans and other forms of credit, payday loans, overdrafts, all of these things are go all going to compound now with the cost of living crisis, energy bills squeezing your disposable income, credit card payments squeezing your disposable income, car finance, personal finance, payday loans, all of those th things squeezing your disposable income and now you have to pay more tax. It is a recipe for disaster. And so I'm strongly encouraging people, if that is you that I've just described, and if it is you, there is no shame, right? Because ultimately you did the right thing. You made the right decision for you at the time. There is, There are ways and things that you can do to consolidate, to help you make that debt a lot more manageable. You know, I say this because I've been in debt. 
And I know how horrible it is. I know for me, it was anxiety inducing. It was horrible. I hated it. And it's one of those things that I never wish to go back to. But in order to get to the position where I am right now, where I have no debts apart from my mortgage, my car's paid off. I have no credit card debt, nothing, no personal loans, no overdrafts or anything. It took a conscious effort for me and the courage for me to have a look at it properly and do what was necessary. And it was painful. It was hard. But what I'm trying to say here is, please, if you're in that position, do not bury your head in the sand. It's the worst thing you can do. Seek help. Consider consolidating your debt. If you can onto a mortgage, that's great. But remember, you might be paying more interest or you will pay more interest long term, especially if you have a longer period of time left on your mortgage. Consider balance transfers for for, pers- for for credit cards. If you can get it onto a personal loan, if you don't have a mortgage, that will probably make things a little bit more manageable. But it's really, really important that you knuckle down and have a look at your finances. You really need to go back to that budget and you really need to have a look at your, your essential spending. So your debts, all of that stuff that you have to pay for, and try and figure out a way of actually reducing that. My door is open to anyone who has questions. I'm on YouTube, I'm on Instagram through the week, constantly online, and I will happily answer any questions that you guys have. So please feel free to ask if you have questions. I I have to strongly, strongly reiterate, we are in for a very tough time. A lot of the people who are going to struggle now are people with debt. Please do, please don't be like me and bury your head in the sand and just assume that things are going to get better. If you do not face it up head first, trust me, it's not worth the stress. It's not worth the damage to your mental health. So please ask for help. There is no shame in doing so. And if you need me, you know where I am. I appreciate you guys for listening to this episode. Thank you so much. I will speak to you next Monday. Take care. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. If you enjoyed the episode, be sure to check out other episodes and share with the people closest to you. New to investing? Check out Peter's course for first-time investors designed to give you the foundation you need. If you prefer one-on-one coaching, book a complimentary discovery with the man himself. All links in the show notes.